Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Listen, Aaron is running in circle around all of us. But here's the thing, you're you're getting accused of... Throwing someone in a pool. But I got accused of being a slut and but so much. Wait, 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 wait. Nobody called you a slut. When you did it, listen, Sai. When you did it, I put her with your husband. I apologize to you for that, and we're done with that. Like, do not yeah, allow this to get in your ear. Within two hours, and it exactly. was exactly, and it was done. Me. It was three weeks. So now you're starting with me. Do you want me to start with no, you? No, I don't. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. You don't. I don't know what the. What's going on? But I was really hoping that we would have had a Welcome back. It's Friday, and that means we're talking housewives, starting off in New York, ending with Salt Lake. But actually, maybe we should begin with the Real Housewives of Potomac trailer. Thank God our girls are back. I'm so, so excited. As far as the trailer, this might be a hot take, but I think it might be the most underwhelmed I've been with a Potomac trailer. That being said, I'm still very excited about it. Make no mistake. So if you want to watch a trailer, if you have not seen it, you can head on over to my Instagram at everyone's business but mine and give me a follow, y'all. We talk about a lot of fun stuff over there. Seeing Robin sitting on the corner like Monica with a with a heel on in what appeared to be a state of distress. It just really like brought a, a t- twinkle to my eye. We've got two new breasts on the scene. Ashley Darby has named her hers. I think they're D names. I, I won't um, give them away. That'll be a fun little uh, thing to catch <laughs> in the trailer. Every season, a new breast is announced and I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for Tiff and Fee and for Happy and Ness to have a new couple friends on the scene. You know, I guess we need them. Um but yeah, oh Jason, Jason from Winterhouse has secured himself another check from NBC Universal and he was right at the top of the trailer hanging out with Giselle in her kitchen from that house that looks very different from the other house that she's attached it to. So a lot is going on. A lot is going on. A lot of fighting. I heard Candace say that this apparently is her worst season. Like ever. So let's take that into consideration, considering what's happened to Candace in past seasons. So I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. Um, but let's get into Roni. A supersized episode that frankly could have been like a mini episode if if i'm being honest so i don't want to like torture you with 
what we had to endure was like 40 minutes of Uba and Aaron going back and forth over this uh, argument that they had. Um, it just felt a little exhaustive to me. I'm still hanging in there with our girls, but just a little too much. Just a little too much for your girl. But anyway, let's get into it quickly before we talk about Salt Lake. Uba's still withholding Aaron's glasses, right? That was a big cliffhanger from last episode. And she tells Aaron, I'm going to keep these for 45 minutes because that's as long as you kept my phone last night. Aaron starts to get emotional about how Uba's ruining her last day. And then she says in a confessional, this is the first conflict she's had with Uba, and it's also the worst one she's ever had with anybody. And this is just reminding of her, her of her kids who, like, get into it with each other, like, oh, give me this back, give me that back. Like, this is child behavior. She mentions that several times over the course of the episode. Jenna tries to get the glasses back on the way for them to go rum tasting, but Uba's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Pulls her phone out and goes, Siri? Set an alarm for 45 minutes. Jenna's over this. And I have to say this may have been in a couple group chats. You know, maybe not Jenna's finest moment for me this season. I think this might be her worst look yet, unfortunately. But Jenna's like, this all feels very petty. She's definitely on Aaron's side this whole time. She makes that abundantly clear. Bryn tells Uba on the way to rum tasting... Listen, you might have some valid points, but your delivery is really off. But Uba's like, no, I have a responsibility to my family. I check in with them every morning, every night. And that's like, nobody thinks about the single women in the world. Like y'all would be tripping if you couldn't get access to your kids or your husband. But nobody thinks about me, right? So then Brent tells Uba, you just really hit really low. And Uba's like, no, 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 you need to take that back because how many times has Erin herself gone off on you, calling you a slut or whatever, and the next next second she's like hugging and kissing up all on your neck? Like, I, I don't want to hear it, right? So the ladies go rum tasting. Sai insists on going behind the bar because apparently she worked as a bartender for 10 years in the city. But then is just doing shots. It's not like she's doing anything fancy. She's just pouring shots into shot glasses. And says, what is this? And has no idea what fireball is? How is that possible? <laughs> I don't get it, girl. But I don't get a lot of things that Sai does. Uba's alarm goes off in the middle of all this. So she hands glasses back to Aaron. But Aaron, uh, speaking of, this is just how my children behave. She's like, I, I need somebody else to touch the glasses before I take them. Because I don't want to take them directly from Uba. So Jenna takes them and then hands them to Aaron. Okay. So Aaron puts the glasses on and tells Uba, instead of getting mad, you need to talk to me like a normal friend. You know, like when I told you to never say my name and that I couldn't touch the glasses <laughs> if you touch them directly. Yeah, be normal. Let's let's all be normal, right? But Uba's like, don't tell me what to do. I'm not your kid. Bryn tries to remind both of them, you guys are friends. You're both hurt right now. Like, let's not do this. But Uba's like, no, no, no. I've got her back Bryn's back you abused this girl you called her a social climber and Bryn's like when and why like you don't have to climb any ladder when you're already on top but Aaron's like no 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 that was like three months ago it was about like Casa Cipriani or whatever like I called you a social climber you know that but Bryn's like no actually I I didn't know that but it's okay because I'm not but Bryn says in a confessional Maybe Aaron thinks there's a social ladder to climb, but I took the elevator. Didn't even have to ask. So Aaron gets up to leave and Jenna follows behind her as a sign of like solidarity girl. Jenna says that she's just blown away because it's really not that big of a deal. But then they like leave, but then Aaron wants a drink. So they just decide to sit on the opposite side of the bar as everybody else. Uba tells everybody, listen, like, I've been trying to be chill. Like, I'm on control cruise. And then they're like, no, girl, it's cruise control. She's like, whatever, whatever. Like, Aaron came to me like a fireball, okay? And I just wanted to see her eyes without the glasses. And then Bryn's like, yeah, the glasses are actually probably worth more than your phone is worth, like, LOL or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 those are probably from Canal Street. I could tell them, touch them, they were plastic. <laughs> they're like, wow, girl, that's really low blow, Uba." low blow 
So Jenna says in a confessional that she's team Aaron all the way, like, and how upset she would be because Uba is just relentless and it's the language behind how Aaron and Jenna at times describe Uba's behavior. Like, yeah, is she going hard? For sure. Is she going harder than I would? Probably. You know? But a lot of substances coursing through my veins that aren't with Uba. (laughs) We gotta take that into account. But I just feel like I don't I don't know. Just like I don't like the term like relentless and 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 this conversation that Aaron has with her father after the fact like really lets me know where Aaron's mindset is so like I'm just like it's not working for me it's it's really not but anyway Aaron gets upset that everybody's hanging out with Uba and not her and she and then they just make it worse so they're like oh let's play limbo with the other guys at the bar and having a good time and they're laughing and giggling and Aaron's standing staring at them from the other side of the bar like how dare they make merry without me don't they know that I'm upset (laughs) and the gag is the people still aren't on your side girl then the ladies go to another restaurant to get something to eat, right? Jessel starts getting activated because she's like, you know what? Erin's really the common denominator with everybody. She talks shit about every single person in this group. And it was like, they're sitting down at the table, right? And it was like, here's the thing, because she's still pissed off, right? She goes, here's the thing with you guys, Americans, right? Someone could put a fork up your ass and be like, oh, you know, please remove it. No, sorry, it's okay. But why are you putting a fork in my ass? What did I do to you? <laughs> And then at that point, Aaron's like, I gotta go. Like, I, I've really gotta leave. I got a car. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I don't want to do this. Sai tries to be like, oh, girl, like, do you really want to leave? And Aaron's like, yeah, just promise me that you're not going to talk about me to her when I'm gone, right? So Jenna is sitting there at the table. She's like, I get it. And she says in a confessional that Uba's really sweet until she's not. And how when she first saw Uba's switch getting flipped or whatever this was a time when uba came over to her place and she didn't know that they were filming so we see this footage from three months ago where it's like whoever else is there is there they go over to jenna's apartment and uba's like oh i you know i got a text message from your assistant but uh they didn't tell me that we were going to be filmed like it's fine i just don't want to be surprised if somebody's inviting me somewhere like you need to tell me if there's a camera that's it And here's my thing. This is like a definite cultural difference. I have found in my life that like African people spend, tend to speak very directly and like clearly in a way that can come off as like, I hate this word, but like intimidating or people might feel like it's like a lot, but it's not to them. Like that's just how they communicate And I think that's, like, part of what's going on here. But also, I've seen clips from Uba. She did, a like, a miniature documentary with CNN Films a few years ago. And the life that this woman has lived and endured is unbelievable. I am, like, shocked that this shit has not come up. But Uba talks about, you know, like, being Muslim. And she talks about how... Um, you know, like you make effort to present yourself a certain way in certain situations. And I think that might be part of it. Like, had she, you know, like she wants to look your best and that's part of like your religion. And so like, that's, that's part of it for her. Like she just wants to look her best in, in situations where like she feels like she should. And that, cause that's like showing respect to that person. Um, and then the other part of it, she talks about how she's endured, um, female genital mutilation, you guys. And it, I just like, (laughs) it is so harrowing. It's so heartbreaking. And for her to have so much strength and grace and to be able to talk about this and wanting to change the protocols and, and things in Somalia. And it just like really, really broke my heart. So just just like wild to me there have been so many scenes 
this season with Sai like demanding that people tell their true story and whatever and at some point in this episode somebody's like oh yeah everybody's opened up or I think maybe Janet says it like everybody's been called to the carpet except for Uba and it's like leave her alone okay let's just leave her alone so while I can like say that maybe I would not behave like this, I can also say that there have been times where I have behaved like this, where you just hit your limit of like people coming for you and acting some type of way and feeling like disrespected, where you just go on and on and you just cannot stop. And you're just like, I'm sick of this and I'm just going to keep talking until I feel better. And I don't care. And that's it. <laughs> and I, I feel where Uba's coming from. So anyway, Bryn tells Uba, like, you don't need to yell. You don't need to come at me. And Uba's like, well, you don't communicate like that because you're half black and you understand what's going on. Like, you get how automatically people think because you have this black thing, like, you're being aggressive, right? And Bryn's like, I don't know if it's that. Maybe. But Uba's like, no, I'm tired of this narrative with black women. We're passionate and we're not fake. And Sai's like, okay, but it just doesn't give you the right to get in somebody's face. And then she's like, I don't want to hear about it. To which Uba's like, rightfully tells her, if you don't want to be involved, then don't jump in, girl. Especially when uh, your homegirl just left and said, don't talk about me. <laughs> so maybe change the subject. If you don't want to talk about it, then stop talking about it. Sai says in a confessional, Uba's right. That when black women get upset, there is this idea that, like, we're just being aggressive for having emotions that everybody else has. But she also doesn't think that it plays out in this particular situation. Now, I wonder how she would feel if she heard uh, Aaron's phone call with her father. I wonder if that would have changed her mind. We'll get into that in a second. So they change the subject. And for whatever reason, Bryn starts touching her titties and this turns into her life story about her Mimi, her grandmother, who told her, you know, basically you attract more flies with honey than you would with vinegar. And she learned that when, now I'm not sure when she's meeting these bosses and CEOs and lawyers at age five, but she learned at five that if you just turn on that charm, turn on that Bryn Whitfield charm, she can get herself to places that those much smarter or whatever she's trying to suggest people could get. <clears throat> I'm not trying to say that she's not smart. I think she's just saying like, I could use my charm to get places or people who were like highly educated could go doctors, lawyers, that of that nature. So then she talks about how like she was pre-med, but her Mimi told her that like, you're supposed to be going to college to get a husband and not a degree or something. But then she, like, freaked out her junior year. She ended up switching to PR, and now she's working, like, doing the damn thing. The people that she used to work for now use her to consult, so she's making, like, hella money working 10 hours a week or whatever. So, great. And how her Mimi taught her to, like, travel the world and get out there, girl, and don't stick around in Indiana, like... Just that sort of thing. She and Jess will have this emotional moment where her mom, where she tells her, like, I know that your Mimi would be proud of you. She's like, I know, you know, and, th and then we have her moment. I know that Brynn has been um, speaking very publicly about the fact that she feels like the editors have not given her this platform to talk about what she actually does for a living. Uh, we haven't seen her apartment. She says her building wouldn't allow her to film there. Uh but I think she was mostly upset about, like, not being able to talk about her career. But I also think she's not allowed to talk about the clients that she works for. So I don't really know what she wants from us. But I think she's feeling some type of way about, like, having this I'm, am I a sugar baby or not reputation. But it's like, she's not helping. <laughs> Let me move on. <laughs> so let's get to Erin's phone call. So she's now back at the house and she calls her dad immediately crying right and she's like she starts a conversation you know i love uba okay you know i love uba this is verbatim because i typed it all out you know i love uba we go to dinner and she left her phone in the car so i take the phone and i'm like you know i'm gonna prank her and within two minutes she had her phone 
Now, why did we set the 45 minute timer then? Why did you agree to the 45 minutes if it was actually two? Anyway, she goes, then the next morning she went crazy. And the way she treated to me was like, I, I just like never in my life was treated like this. She stood up over me and she snatched my sunglasses off my face and says, you're not going to get your sunglasses back. So he asks, did you respond? And she goes, no, I walked away. Girl, Aaron, is that what happened? Is that, listen, I fully understand the phrase, there's like three sides of the story, right? But you got to be rooted in some kind of truth, girl. Like, to act like you did nothing and that she just hodged over you and it was like stealing your Chanel glasses and what, girl... I was just being a prankster. I I took the phone for two minutes and she just was livid all night. She snatched these glasses off of me and and I fell to the ground. It's like, okay. Again, we got to be rooted in some truth. And then we, like, she's talking in the confessional about how this triggered her from seventh grade because there was some boy who, don't laugh, Used to make fun of her long jaw and call her long jaw silver. And how it just kind of felt like that because it was just so fucking me. I didn't laugh. Okay, we're moving on. At lunch, Uma apologized to the table for causing this dust up earlier. To everybody, like, I'm sorry for my behavior. I'm sorry for all of that. Bryn says to her, listen, girl, 97% of the time you're right. But the way you lose is when you send the message in the way that you send it. And Uba's like, listen, girl, this is who I am at 80 years old. Best believe I'm going to be taking uh, glasses off people's faces if I need to. Okay. This is where the episode gets good. Because on the way back to the house, Bryn tells Jessel, oh, Aaron's been talking shit about you too, girl. And she's been saying that you're the dumb dumb of the group. So Jessel now is like hot in her panties. She's like, who was she to say that? Like, I'm pissed. I've been playing nice, but you know what? There's been things that I've been building up that I've literally said nothing about, but I've had enough. So Brent's like, okay. Yeah. Well, she also said that you had a trust fund, by the way. (laughs) And that you've been lying about it the whole time. And you've been trying to equate my story with yours. And so Jessel's like, oh, I have a checklist. Okay. I've got a checklist and I've been keeping it on my phone about this bitch. Okay. Bullet points. (laughs) So Brynn is like, oh, okay. I said we got Jessel's a gangster here. We got Al Capone in the back here. So Uba goes, hold on. Um, Just before you start the list, can you just tell me if you have one on me? Because if so, I'm sorry. I apologize. But Jessel's like, no, no, no. I have lists for people that I have a feeling about. So here the list goes. Number one is fuck you. <laughs> Number one is fuck you. When these girls abandoned you for Casa Cipriani, I fucking stayed with your dumb ass and had dinner. Number two, you fucking tell me that I'm used to being catered to? No one or nothing is catered to me. And then Jessel says in a confessional, when someone rubs me the wrong way, I start making a checklist. So if you rub me the wrong way once, it's mental. Twice, it's in my phone. <laughs> so then she continues, number three, you tell me that I come from a rich family and accuse my parents of buying my apartment? Fuck you. <laughs> We have three, <laughs> a three point list and two of them are fuck you. A sandwich with a fuck you. <laughs> so Brit says in a confessional, this list is longer than a CVS receipt. So Uba, cause they're in these like kind of golf cart looking things, mochas. Uba pulls up to Jenna on the road and they're like, yo, Sai, Jenna, we just found out that Jessel has a list. She's been taking notes the whole time, ladies. Like, I can't believe this. So when she gets back to the house, Uba goes, I cannot believe that I'm sharing a room with Al Pacino. And they're like, no, no, no. It's Al Capone. She's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so when they get inside, Uba then apologized to the staff for her behavior and, and blowing up in front of them, which I think we should note. She's made an apology to the group and now to the staff. So Aaron takes her aside and is like, listen, let's have our one-on-one conversation. Let's talk. And it's like, you know, I love you. And this is why I'm so hurt. This is why you hurt me. And Uba's like, well, do you think that I love you? And she's like, well, I think you do. But the way you treated me was just so shocking. 
so so shocking. And it was like, listen, you have a right to feel that way. So Aaron tells her, again, like the way what I did to you was like out of proportion, like how you're treating me and your reaction was out of proportion to what I did to you, basically. Uba tries to explain from her side, by the time Aaron took her phone, she thought the prank war was over because she got pushed in the pool. But Aaron's trying to explain to her, like, no, that's not how it works because it was I to push you in. Like, I still had my prank or whatever. And it's like, this is so stupid. <laughs> All of this is, like, really, really ridiculous. But whatever. Bryn and Cy are going outside to, like, eavesdrop on them. Jessel goes out to the hot tub. She don't give a fuck that they're like three feet away from her just texting away on her hot tub probably adding to the list anyway at this point like i'm really just tired of the back and forth because like uba tries to find her phone to make a point to Aaron about something she can't find it so Bryn ends up finding it she left it in the car again <laughs> but at this point all the girls come back they're all in the hot tub right or sitting by it zai's got her popcorn she's having herself a gay old time and Bryn has now been thinking about the fact that Aaron called her a social climber, right? So now she's like, you've been accusing me about things that, like, are really fucked up. Like, I don't like it. You've been accusing me of flirting with your husband. Like, these are just, like, wild accusations. And, Aaron, you don't take accountability for them. And you're, like, pretty reckless about them, right? So then Jessel's like, yeah, you're always like own up to your shit and guess what you haven't apologized to anybody here and Bryn goes well she did apologize to me and Jessel goes whatever (laughs) so now Aaron's like why why is this coming up now is it because she points at Uba is it because she's riling you guys up which riles Uba up and Aaron tells her to be quiet which just pisses Uba off more Sai calls this an ambush on Aaron's part and Uba's like no she's just that person so Aaron yells shut up at uba you're a bitch no you're a bitch and then they're just like going back and forth between who's the worst person and size like listen aaron because uba calls her a liar because aaron you're not a liar but you are the common denominator in a lot of shit right so then uba calls aaron calls uba abusive and it's like what do you want from me now you got everybody against me you've like pitted everybody against me and then everybody has to stop because Aaron starts crying and it's like scary island when Sonia realizes hey I think we're going after Kelly who's like maybe unwell (laughs) maybe we need to put our weapons down here and just like be nice to her so now everybody's gotta be nice to Aaron because she's crying and it's like oh she's being uh, uh, pitted against in the hot tub then Uba has to chill out and she says in a confessional listen I'll always love Aaron but she's got to hold herself accountable then they go off to have conversation number 75 just Uba and Aaron one-on-one to try to resolve thank fuck they actually do but it does turn into Aaron crying and it was like oh you know you said that I talk shit about people and that I'm a liar and Uba's like okay well you're not a liar but you do talk shit about people okay so Aaron says in a confessional that Basically, like, yeah, I said it, but everything I said was true. Anyway, they make up. Jenna was working this whole time, so she doesn't really know what's going on. So Aaron gets to tell her that, like, every everybody ganged up on me on the, in the hot tub. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss not oh i called uba bitch not everything that i said about 
and never everybody that it, everything that everybody said in this gang up was actually things that I said. They just were repeating my words about them back to me. That's that's being ganged up in the, on in the hot tub. Okay, the episode ends with the ladies having their final dinner in Anguilla at the villa, and didn't mean to rhyme that. <laughs> Brynn ends up getting wasted, and then everybody compliments their favorite vacation looks. Okay, and let's move on to Salt Lake. Get out of my face! Still in Palm Springs, the chaos continues. Meredith is texting the ladies at the beginning of the episode, meet me by the pool, wear those little no tricks, all trust shirts that I gave you in your bag, not you, Angie. Speaking of, Angie goes over to the lounge to ask uh, David, who is Trixie's husband, boyfriend, longtime partner, slash the manager of the Trixie Motel. So she asks David if she can use a marker and, like, the counter so she can write on a shirt. And David goes, oh, my God, that's so sad. You're making your own shirt. (laughs) That is sad, babe. Whitney texts Trixie, hey, I want to get the girls in dry tonight. You down? And so Lisa goes into Whitney's room to ask her, like, how did you feel about the night before? Because she feels like Angie came in hot, but things were crazy. Whitney says that Meredith likes to manipulate situations by saying that there's something going on that she can't talk about and how she can just say whatever, but then, like, the minute somebody responds, she reaches for, like, whatever, like a random three-year-old. So Lisa tells Whitney, look, I'm not oblivious to the fact that everything does get weaponized with Meredith, but... I'm trying to be friends with her right now. And like, it's just yucky to hear her say that she's got dish on Angie K and her family or whatever. So then we see Monica go over in, going over to Meredith's room and Meredith thanks her. You know, you were on my side last night. I really appreciate that. And Monica tells her, look, Angie is my friend, but I also think it was like tacky and embarrassing how she acted. And like, it put me in a tough situation because Meredith, it's your trip. And it means a lot to me that you invited me. And Monica says in a confessional that she actually doesn't understand the beef between Meredith and Angie, but Andy, Angie's doing all this weird, unexplainable shit that she's never seen before. So then Heather, did we get, not that I need it, but did we get clarification on um, where the liquid was emanating from her body and spilling onto the floor of that sprinter? Was it from her mouth or was it lower I don't need to know. But anyway, she's rallying, okay, after that five espresso martini run that she went on the night before. And she tells us in a confessional that that was actually a test to see if her friends would keep her on track. And they obviously failed her. So she apologizes to Whitney for vomiting on her leg. And I think she has to lie to the ladies later when they're like, is this the same sprinter that you puked in that we're getting in right now? She's like, no, 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 surely, surely they got a new one. Right? I don't know. (laughs) What is she going to do, right? So Meredith tells them, once you guys get your shirts on, they're going to meet up with some dude named Cliff, who's going to have them do trust exercises, a.k.a. my worst nightmare. Cut to Angie coming out with her shirt that says, all tricks, no trust. And and it says Angie K on the back. (laughs) And then she says in a confessional, it was either do the shirt or call out a hit on Meredith. So I figured this would be easier. Angie K irks. Okay. She really, really irks me. And I think I put a pin on, or I, I, I pinpointed what it is. It's, she speaks with her whole body. She's like overly expressive. Every time she talks, she moves her head like a robot. And it's like, she has to enunciate every word with her body. <laughs> it's like, we get it, girl. Call that. How was she voted best sense of humor at her high school? How's that possible? Like, how boring was that school? Never mind. So when they pull up to the park, Mary tells Meredith as she gets out, listen, I'm not trying to stand in the park out in the rain. My soccer mom days are retired. They're over. I know exactly who to trust and who not to out of the group. I don't want to do this. So Meredith is like, okay. Mary says in the confessional, I don't need to build a stronger bond. I already have a relationship with my higher help. Not these women. No. Does she refer to God as her higher help? I don't think that's right. 
but it is Mary Cosby. So, you know, who are me? Why start there, you know? So the man Cliff, who's been tasked with helping them, makes them go around and hold some sort of infant toy and say what they want to change and what they're hoping for moving forward. And Heather says in a confessional, he's got to understand this isn't normal corporate slights and offenses at the printer. We've destroyed marriages, careers. We've sent one of our friends to prison. We're going to have to go through a lot to make us trust each other. You did? Who who else sent Jen to prison other than Monica? Because I heard we. So what happened, Heather? What happened? Hmm. Anyway, in the sprinter, production's getting Mary an oat milk latte with a double shot of espresso. And she's like just talking to herself as she's wont to do. Why does that sign over there say humps? Doesn't it usually say bumps? Why does it say humps? <laughs> the ladies are... There's like a some sort of like thing, like a little court. I don't even know what these things are called. Like a little race racetrack for people. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But they blindfold half of them and they have to like team up with somebody that they don't trust, right? So it's like Heather and Angie Kay. It's um Lisa and Meredith. And they're just like, oh, one's got a blindfold and you have to guide the other person out of this like obstacle course. That's that's what it is. <laughs> an obstacle course so um yeah boring boring monica's like i'm with lisa this isn't gonna do a damn thing it's not gonna solve anything between us heather and angie are actually having a great time of course angie's you know being greek and saying opa for whatever reason mary's again talking to herself in the sprinter asking why would meredith take us to a park and not somewhere more luxurious which is a fair question like what was on the docket for meredith's trip had whitney not just completely taken over what were they gonna do like well we'll get to that in a second so back in the car after everybody's done with their little team building exercise meredith does tell mary i kind of wish you had participated because like you know it was about trust and mary's like but didn't i stop you and explain why i wasn't going and so lisa tries to cut in and mary's like i wasn't talking to you don't interrupt so mary says to meredith she says did i hurt you and to which lisa goes no and mary goes i'm not talking to you do you have a mute button and lisa goes no i don't i'm on play all the time so mary says she just like likes to do activities where she's ready to grow with the group but that was just too soon for her in a confessional whitney's like why even get in the sprinter van if you don't want to participate you don't like us you don't want anything to do with us. Like, well, I mean, I'm loving that it's pissing you, Whitney, off specifically, because I do think that Whitney versus Mary is one of our greatest housewife, um, won't even say frenemy ships, uh, battles of all time. I love it every time. So then Lisa, who, again, she says she's on play. She asks Mary, are you not ready? And Mary's like, not with everybody in the group. No. And so Lisa's like, oh, well, who are we excluding? And Mary goes, don't do that. <laughs> And for what it's worth, I don't regret it. So Whitney says, but the point is we wanted you to join us as a team. And Mary goes, I, okay, I get the point, Missy. I wasn't there. Let it go. So Whitney says, well, you told somebody it was your hip. And then you told somebody else that you didn't want to go. So like, why would you be here? Fortunately, they get back to the motel for lunch. Heather asks what's on the agenda for the rest of the day. And Whitney's like, actually, I'm going to take over for tonight. Trixie's actually going to come back tonight and help us. So Meredith is like, in a confessional, we just had an exercise all about communication, Whitney. Maybe I had something else planned. It's not your trip. But here's my thing is like, she gave up the ghost pretty quickly. So I feel like maybe Meredith got a little lucky and was like, I actually didn't have anything planned. So I'm going to let, I'm going to pretend like I'm aggravated about this, but actually you did me a solid. So Whitney tells everybody that they need to go back to their room, take off their makeup, cancel your glam for tonight because they're going to be doing some drag inspired makeup competition to be judged by Trixie Mattel. So Whitney says in a confessional, I'm taking over because I'm fucking bored. And honestly, I don't think Meredith realizes what we have at our fingertips right now. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity, which is fair. Like 
why go to Palm Springs? Why specifically go to the Trixie Motel if you weren't really going to utilize Trixie outside of the, the welcome speech? But, um... I also just feel like, on the other hand, it's like, this is very bold of Whitney <laughs> to take over somebody's trip and, and then judge them for it and then be like, I'm just going to do it. But, like, she's not wrong, but she's not right either. You know what I mean? But as soon as Meredith hears, take your makeup off, she goes completely catatonic. She's like, uh, no, no, I threw my glam in. The one thing I take control over is the way I look. So she goes back into her room and calls John. <laughs> like, what the hell is John Barlow going to do from Salt Lake City to help you with your glam uh, drama in in uh, Palm Springs? But she's like, oh, my God. Like, I, I'm just, like, a, a little overwhelmed because Whitney said to come in with a plain face and glance your glam. And I'm like, what? Like, I hate it. And John goes, well... It's one more night. She's like, yeah, it is. And then she says in the confessional, didn't Whitney get the memo about dressing up? Like, on average, I spend $60,000 on glam. You know, as we know, that's a ring for her. I get it done daily. My makeup artist is on retainer, and it's not for me to, like, go and, like, go to events and stuff. Like, it, that's just for me going to the grocery store. <laughs> and I guess she says this as though we're supposed to be like, oh, Okay. <laughs> And not like, oh, this sounds like you're wildly insecure. And also, like, this woman is just at your back and call for, for just 60 Gs? That's it? Every day? That seems like a lot. Of time. Of her spending for 60000 Then we see that Lisa texts Meredith to come over and, like, be a little bit of a backup for her with production. So a producer comes out, a guy named Will, and he's like, okay, what's going on she's like i'm a good sport for the most part <laughs> and i don't know if you guys heard but the editors put in that as a like that's a lie <laughs> as soon as she said i'm a good sport for the most part but this is crazy so then meredith comes in it's now two producers meredith all talking to lisa trying to get her down from the ledge i paid morgan twenty five hundred dollars plus a flight and then she starts crying Monica, as she's got a Neutrogena makeup wipe to her face, can hear Lisa, like, causing a fuss and crying from the, uh, the walls. And, I mean, no shade to Trixie, but it seems like a lot of people are hearing a lot of things happening here. And this is like a small motel. Just maybe, maybe could have thought about some soundproofing. It just feels like a lot of people are hearing a lot of things through those walls. But anyway, um... Monica's, like, getting super annoyed now because she's pissed off about this ring and all the wealth and all the crying over the wealth that's happening with Lisa. And so she says in a confessional, I'm starting to feel like she's, like, Veruca Salt. Like, I want the world, Daddy. I want it now. Back to Meredith. She's now holding Lisa. Holding her. Lisa's like, I could put up with anything in the world, but it's my face. So Whitney goes over to the little lounge where Trixie's waiting and Trixie's like, oh, I'm so excited to do this. This is going to be so much fun. And Whitney's like, yeah, um, Lisa's like having a conniption fit because she had to cancel her glam and she started crying. And Trixie goes, she started crying? Has she seen me without makeup? <laughs> so back to Lisa. I have glam in Monaco. I have glam in Saint-Tropez. I have glam everywhere I go. I like to look a certain way when I'm out in public. It's my fucking face. Producer lawyer asked Lori, asked her, what would make you feel good? She says, Morgan. <laughs> so Lisa says in a confessional, I'm a team player. So of course I will participate, but I will have Morgan on standby. But there's a new rule. We're going to do it my way. So we finally got Lisa to chill out. And the ladies are all, like, in their separate rooms, two by two, doing their makeup. So Trixie's going around to different rooms and judging them, like Tim Gunn or, like, RuPaul, I guess, and asking people, oh, do you want to borrow my wig? It's only 45 pounds. <laughs> no big deal. So then it's time for the competition. Whitney walks in, out <clears throat> with a um, see-through dress and a big-ass wig. And she says, loud and proud, they call me Little Girl. <laughs> So Trixie goes, well, I guess that makes me big woman. <laughs> Monica goes out, all out, character, hairspray, everything. She's got this Jersey accent 
for whatever reason. Is that hairspray or is she just spraying Lysol into her wig? Who's to say? But she's committed. She is committed. And I have to say, I don't know if y'all caught this, but there's so much pink at the Strixino Hotel that like everything is being reflected by the pink. (laughs) And these women with their tans makes them look like they're from outer space. Like the all of these look at ladies look like aliens. It's truly amazing. So to be honest, Angie and her highlighter wig come out and <laughs> when they put on the screen that her name was Anita Invite, I about passed out. <laughs> I died. So it's like Angie's participating. Whitney is giving her all. Monica's bringing it. And then Meredith comes out in a black blazer dress, like she always does, going, well, I feel a little underdone. All she did was put some pink eyeshadow on, girl. Like, a a slightly bold, hot pink eyeshadow. Lisa walks out, and the first thing they go, it's like, ugh, disqualified. Like, what are you guys doing? All Mary did was wear some really tall heels. That's all she did. Some really high platform heels. So Trixie says the winner gets to wear the crown that I won on a certain program. Unfettered access to it until I leave. Monica ends up winning. And this is like an actual thing for her. Like being around somebody who's so confident when I'm losing my confidence at this point really helped me. And it was like really helpful for her. But then they go to like the lounge afterwards and suddenly it's so awkward it's like (laughs) what did monica say the french poodles and the wet noodles the french poodles all the girls that actually dressed up and participated are sitting on one side the wet noodles are on another and it's just like uh, uh, for, for whatever reason nobody wants to talk lisa says why is everyone so quiet and mary goes well people have been quiet to me all night so lisa goes well come over hang out and mary goes no don't change it now. <laughs> Lisa goes, Mary's had an issue with everything from the food to the way we talk. She's not going to win a participation trophy ever. So the ladies who did dress up, like I said, are disappointed in the ones who didn't. And Monica actually goes, it makes Lisa seem insecure. Like she's had this whole shit fit about the makeup and not wanting to participate. But Lisa overhears her and she comes in and is like, what are you guys talking about? So Monica was like, oh, you know, I was just talking about the sour pusses and the wet noodles of the group. And Lisa goes, well, if a wet noodle looks like a pretty girl and head to toe Isabel Morant with good makeup, then yeah, I'm a wet noodle. <laughs> a good one. She ate that. <laughs> you ate that one, girl. I'll, I'll give you... I'm not giving her anything. The ladies do a drag show, or they drive to a drag show, right? But in on the way, Lisa goes, what were you guys talking about earlier with the wet noodles? What was that conversation that I walked into? So Monica's like, well, you didn't dress up, and everybody just sits there, and <laughs> Lisa goes, I am dressed up. I'm in a head-to-toe couture, a Valentino bag, and beautiful eyeshadow, to which Monica goes, right, but the point was to dress up and drag, and Lisa goes, this is drag for me. <laughs> She's wearing an off-the-shoulder top and jeans. Just just to be clear. <laughs> for those of you who are watching. Jeans and, and a shirt. An off-the-shoulder shirt. <laughs> Not a design. It's like a butter yellow kind of a cream. It's giving nothing. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Nothing at all, but okay, this is drag for her. So Meredith does take up for Lisa and is like, well, anybody can do whatever interpretation that works for them. And but Lisa's like, I literally wore a sarong to a five-star restaurant. I am a team player. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, girl, I'll give you the point for that. So Monica goes, listen, Lisa, I'm just going to be honest with you. And then she starts to tear up and Angie goes, do you want to hold my flamingo? <laughs> so Monica says, why Angie has a flamingo? I don't know. Just a plastic flamingo. But Monica goes, in all honesty, Lisa, the whole ring thing is hard for me because, like, I'm going through my own shit. And I try to tell you, like, your kids are healthy. Your husband's there. There's so much there that you have to be thankful for. And it was just like, oh, my God, my $60,000 ring, my $60,000 ring. And it's just really tone deaf to hear you talk about, like, the ring and the Porsche and the G-Wagon. And maybe you've lived this lifestyle for so long that you're removed from, like, most of America, like the 1% of America lives like you. And Lisa just goes, Oh my God. <laughs> so Lisa goes, I don't think I'm perfect. Okay. I work my ass off and I'm not going to apologize for it one bit. <laughs> and then she goes, I think about people a lot. You don't know me. So don't judge me. And I'm sorry for what you're going through for which Monica goes, uh, you actually don't give a fuck. Like, look how you're acting right now. You're really shallow. Lisa goes, take that wig off and be Monica for a minute. Like, be real. <laughs> so Monica starts speaking in Portuguese. And, and uh, well, I don't know if it was, maybe it was Spanish. I don't know. But then she's like, she basically calls her a piece of shit. And then tells Lisa, I just called you a piece of shit. <laughs> just so you know. So Angie goes, Monica, Monica, and starts tapping her with the plastic flamingo. But Monica goes, Angie, you love you live up Lisa's ass. So why don't you just stay there? Lisa tries to chime in, but Monica's like, nobody can hear you. Lisa, nobody can hear you. Your dog's barking for you. A little chihuahua. And then Lisa calls uh, Monica the biggest bitch in the van. <laughs> Whitney's just sitting in that van horrified. She's like, I haven't seen this side of Monica, but I'm stunned because it's nasty. And is this how you treat all of your friends? Okay. So Mary tells Meredith, as they're all walking into the drag uh, show, just, hey, give me a signal if I should come in. And I think this is like Mary being a bigot. And that's stressful for me. But Meredith is like, no, just just come in. But Mary's like, no, no, no. And then she asks who's ever driving if she could be taken to McDonald's. So, listen, I, I know that a lot of people have been like, why is Mary here? She doesn't want to do anything. Why is she just sitting up in that van and not wanting to go to these events? To which I say, unfortunately, there are a lot of housewives that are actively in the mix all the time, twisted, activated, and still don't give us even half of what Mary does talking alone in the van with a filet of fish on the way. So, unfortunately, that's just the place we're at. And we all have to be honest about that. So, Lisa goes up to Monica at the bar to tell her that basically she feels like she's conflating her not wanting to dress up with being stuck up or whatever. And Monica's like, no, no, no. It's actually the whole thing. So, Lisa goes, you think that I don't relate to middle-class America, but I do 100%. And Monica has to tell her, the middle class America can't afford $60,000 rings. And she goes, yes, they do. <laughs> Monica just laughs at her. Because <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, I'm of like two minds of this Lisa and Monica situation. Like, this is housewives. And we do want our housewives to be wealthy and out of touch and crying about a $60,000 ring in a bathroom. Like, that's why we're here. But Monica's not wrong. You know, like, she is behaving in a disgusting way. And it probably is very annoying to hear about somebody complain about losing a ring when you probably don't even make that much annually. I could get it, but also, like, this is Housewives. So, you know, she's she's not wrong. But she's not right either. <laughs> Elsewhere in the bar, Whitney's trying to explain to Meredith what Monica's issue is. 
and Meredith tries to take up for her, and Whitney's like, well, the truth is, like, we all did drag, we came out with a persona, and, you know, I wish you had gotten into drag tonight. And Meredith is like, but we're two different people, Whitney. I don't have to mimic you. So Whitney's like, but if I were to plan the trip, we would have really leaned into the drag and all of that. And Meredith is like, yeah, but you didn't plan the trip. And the reality is that I did the best I could within my ability on the makeup. And then I, I've had a shooting headache for two days where I thought I had like a nerve thing going on. I don't know what it is, but I wasn't about to put a 30 pound wig on my head. So Whitney goes, I just thought I needed to do it for my friend and the group. And Meredith goes, but I put on makeup and Trixie gave us makeup. She told us to do the best we could. She didn't say that we had to wear a wig, Whitney. So Whitney goes, I go, so if someone's um, sister-in-law's grandson's three-year-old had a headache and it's this, what is that really about? (laughs) Meredith stares her down as soon as she hears three-year-old. She stares her down and goes, don't you go there. Don't you fucking go there. You're a monster. Get out of my face. You're disgusting. You take a sick child who's suffering for the rest of his life to weaponize against me. Don't you dare. Meanwhile, Mary is ordering a filet of fish, a six-piece nugget, and a large fry in case anybody was wondering. And it did seem like maybe she got a Sprite as well. (laughs) Whitney finds Lisa at the bar and goes, or uh, uh meredith rather because meredith has been like fuck off and walked away so when he finds meredith again she's like hi it's me again and meredith goes i'm not interested well you should be i had a very bad day yesterday whitney okay every time someone tries to work through something with you you say i can't deal with this because i'm going through something have some awareness you did it last night and you did it today so meredith is like yeah okay i had an animal like a pit bull going after me after a long day and I got upset Whitney so Angie hears that and she goes did you just call me a pit bull and Meredith just turns around (laughs) full 180 back to Angie K I don't hear you girl I don't see you and I don't hear you and I won't recognize it do not understand the question and I will not respond (laughs) so Angie's like you know, it's been a hard night. You know, <laughs> Monica, Monica then goes, it's been really hard for Angie. Like, she's been the chihuahua. She's been the pit bull bitch. And so Annie just is, like, talking to Meredith's back. Like, oh, you can't hear me? Oh, okay. Meredith is like, telling Monica, this one's just incessant. I can't deal with it. It's vile. It's disgusting. So Angie calls her classless and tells her she's a piece of shit. But Monica goes... Uh, uh, Angie says, no, Monica, you called me a piece of shit. And Monica goes, it was in Portuguese. (laughs) Uh, This bitch is my favorite. I love her. I love her. So Angie tells Lisa, Meredith just called me a pit bull. And when Lisa asked why, she goes, I don't know. She looks like a trampoline with eyes. And Meredith just starts laughing. Because, like, what else are you going to do with that clown? Clown joke. So Whitney tells Meredith, like, I don't think you want to do that. I don't think you want to call a woman a dog. And Meredith goes, I didn't call her a dog. I said she attacked me like an animal. And Whitney goes, well, fine. Well, I'm going to go sit by the nice girl since you guys want to be mean. So then Monica asks if she can ask a question. And she's asking this to Heather. Um, when I called Angie a hoe bitch on the bus, that was right, right? And Heather goes, yeah. And Monica goes, okay, good. But Angie hears this and she goes up to her and goes, who do you think you are, Monica? And Monica's like, no, I was just like, I was just saying how I was feeling. I was asking like if what I said was okay. So Angie tells Monica, like, you're not being my friend. And Monica's like, don't put your nasty nails in my face like Jen Shaw. Okay. Don't you do that. And Angie goes, let's not talk about her, Monica. So Angie calls Monica Jen's assistant and Monica's like, you can't be an assistant when you never got paid. So in a confessional, I have to say that Angie maybe did nibble a bit on this one. And that's the only one I'm going to give her. Oh, you never got paid? So you left your four kids for free? <laughs> I know she got paid. And I think if Monica could erase that she worked for Jen, she would do that. She's trying to pretend like there's no history with Jen. But it feels shady. And she's trying to be like somebody she's not. 
Well, Monica says, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being an assistant. And second, all of these bitches were her assistant. You did favors. You did them. You did them too. None of us got paid for doing it. Oops. <laughs> I don't know what that means for y'all. It just feels like y'all all got played by her, but sure. The end of the episode, the ladies get back on the bus and Mary tells everybody, I went to McDonald's. And they're like, oh, damn. I can smell the fries on the bus. <laughs> That was basically it. They're going back to Salt Lake next episode, and we'll see what happens, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you for listening.